you got a phone, you got a Bible, let me invite you to take it out. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, Google has Bibles, I promise. Uh, Matthew chapter 6. So, my name's Corey. I'm the pastor of Brushy Creek Baptist Church in Taylor's, which is kind of the east side of Greenville. I've been there about 18 months. I'm from Alabama, so I moved up here from God's country. Uh, and so, we're, I'm excited to be with you. I was here last year. I enjoyed my time. It looks like there's like more people this year, so this ministry's growing, which is really cool. Uh, so that's a cool thing to see, man. That's that's really awesome. Um, so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 is called the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm going to go ahead and just kind of jump in because those guys wasted a half an hour trying to get a garbage can with a paper ball. Uh, and so I don't want the Holy Spirit to be grieved because they can't shoot. Um, uh, so we want to go ahead and just kind of jump in. So Matthew 6, Matthew 6 is the... Um, it's what's called the Sermon on the Mount. If you're not as familiar with it, Matthew's the first book in the New Testament. Chapter 6, the chapters go in order. So chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Uh, so chapter 6, so it's right in the middle of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is where Jesus, God's Son, takes His disciples up on a mountain. And in fact, chapter 5, verse 1 and 2 says, uh, And He saw the crowd, He went up on, and He sat down, and He opened His mouth and began to say to them. So Jesus gives this long sermon. It's a three-chapter sermon in our Bible that he's teaching the disciples and really a crowd of people who are listening. And right in the middle of that, in chapter 6, he gives us some warnings. Now, warnings are an interesting thing. You know, we grow up with warnings, right? We grow up like, don't run with scissors. You remember that one? Don't run with scissors. Who do you think the first kid was that like ran with scissors? He's probably dead, right? Uh, so don't run with scissors. Um, you have those like at the pool, right? No diving in the shallow end, right? You know why? Because that would hurt your head. Um, so, so we have rules. We grow up with rules. Some rules are really dumb. I remember when our first kid was born. That's Cade. He's in the back. He's a freshman at Greer High. Um, and so when my first kid was born, we bought a stroller. And the uh, warning label on the stroller said, remove kid before folding up. That's, I mean, that seems pretty, like, legit. We actually didn't remember that. That's what's wrong with him now. Um, so, uh, I mean, um, so, so some warning labels are pretty dumb. They're pretty dumb. Uh, like if you buy, like occasionally if you buy food, it'll tell you about warning, like allergies. Anybody in here allergic to food? Anybody allergic to food? I'm about to tell a joke. Please don't get sensitive on me, okay? Um, so like you can, you can like buy a carton of eggs and it'll say warning, may contain eggs. Like, okay, thanks for laughing. All right. Uh, so, so, you know, some warnings are, are pretty dumb. Legit, there's a warning on a Chipotle truck that says the driver does not carry burritos. Now, you realize that somewhere that guy's pumping gas and some dude walks up and goes, give me all your burritos, right? Like, that's a legit warning. I'm telling you, guys are really not laughing. It's 8.30 at night, man. Like, come on. I'm a grown man. I should be in the bed by now. But it's really good, right? It's fun. Like, warnings are, are kind of dumb. But some of them are important. What makes a warning important or not important is a couple of things. There's really three things that makes a warning important or not important. One is, who's giving the warning, right? Who's giving the warning? When my 11-year-old daughter comes running in to tell me we're out of ice cream, that's not really that big a warning, right? She's not that authority over ice cream. Ice cream's not that big a deal. It's not that big a warning. So who's given the warning matters to whether or not it's a big-time deal. What the subject matter is of the warning, so like ice cream's really not that big a warning. Uh, and then what are the consequences for not listening to that warning? So those are kind of the three criteria to determine if this is a, a big deal, little deal, no deal kind of thing, right? So... Like, you're sitting at home, you're watching TV, the news channel breaks in, the news, the weather guy comes on, right? He's sweating buckets, and he's like, there's a tornado, it's headed straight for your house, like it's in your driveway, we know it's you, he calls you by name, right? And so you know, the weatherman's pretty important, uh, the warning is really severe, and if I don't listen to the warning, 
I may end up on the news because mine, you know, I was in this tragic storm, right? So it's, it's who said it, what's the content, and what's the consequences for not listening? I want you to see something. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. I'm using the ESV version, but the other versions will have the same type of phrase. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Do not, or beware, or watch out. Now listen to me, don't miss this. Now listen, now let's be very clear. If Jesus, God in the flesh, determines to give us a warning, it is one, important because of who's saying it. This is God in the flesh. It is second, important because the subject matter is not about ice cream or about even tornadoes. The subject matter is about eternity. It's about heaven or hell, heaven or death. It's, it's about your soul. So the subject matter is extremely important. It is of height when it comes to importance. And then third, Jesus will warn us, and in the warning He will tell us, if we don't listen, then we could be in severe eternal trouble. So the consequences could be very, very bad. So you hear warnings all your life. Your car makes warnings. You will crank your car, it will ding and tell you you need gas. If you're in my house, you just tell Dad to take it to the gas station, right? It will ding. It will give you some warning. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. Jesus is about to warn us. There is no more serious thing that we can do than listen to the words of Jesus. Give us a warning. There are 66 books in the Bible. They are all breathed out by God. They are all profitable for teaching. But in this particular passage, Jesus Himself in the flesh sits down on a mountain and says, I want to warn you about something. Now that thinks we ought to listen. We ought to be heightened. Our eyes ought to be tuned. Our hearts ought to be in line. Our mind ought to be clear. Jesus has something to say, and it's dangerous if we don't listen to it. So I want you to listen with me. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 19. I'm going to read through verse 24. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? I'm at verse 24. Now no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Let's pray together. Father, help us now for a few moments as we hear this warning that comes from heaven. The very lips of God give us this warning, so we want to take it seriously. We want to listen carefully. We want to apply it to our lives. Lord, we certainly want to leave here knowing we have heard your word and we have listened to you. Father, I pray you just give us clarity from your word. Search us and know us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus is speaking to his disciples on this mountain and he decides to warn them. Those of us who follow Christ, if you're here this evening and you've given your life to Christ, you follow Christ, you pursue Christ, you are considered what would be called a disciple of Christ. And these words are there for you as well. If you're here tonight and you say, well, I'm not a Christian, I don't understand, I'm not giving my life to Christ, I'm not sure what this is about, then this warning can serve as a warning to you that you need to come to the team. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But Jesus gives us a warning concerning the affections of our heart, concerning the attention of our eye. You're in a season in life where you're fixing to make a, some of the biggest decisions you'll ever make. In the next four to five years, the majority of this room, you will have chosen who you're going to marry. You will have chosen where you're going to live. You will choose the career path that you are on, and it will set a trajectory for you for most of the rest of your life. 
That doesn't mean there aren't opportunities to change or shift or move, but ultimately in the next few years of your life, you're going to make some drastic decisions that will determine your trajectory. Your 40-year-old, which is my age, I know, I look young, your 40-year-old age will look back and go, oh, that's when I made those decisions. I was married at 20. I had just finished my sophomore year in college. So we made early decisions that put us on a trajectory. Now, the benefit of that is my wife's getting to be married to me for over 20 years already, right? And I'm only 40, so if I live a long time, she'll get even more time with me. Can you believe that? Can you believe I was hoping you would all say, aw, but you did not. Aw, All right. So I want you to see that Jesus gives us three warnings here on our heart and what we focus on, because listen to me. You're about to make decisions on who you are in the world and what you're going to look like to the world. And ultimately, the decisions you're going to make over the next few years that determine your life, the decisions are simply this. What's important to you? What's your priority? What controls your thoughts, your actions, your words, your calendar, your checkbook, well, debit card or Venmo, right? That's where we are now. Your Venmo. What controls those things? What makes those decisions? So Jesus will tell us in this passage that one of the things you have to watch out for is making the things of this world the priority of your life. To making the things that are temporal, the things that will pass away, the center of who you are. And he will do this with three warnings. Let me give them to you. I'm a preacher. I like to give points. I like to be clear. I want you to see it in the text. I'm a, what we call an expositional preacher. I'm going to expose the text to you verse by verse. I'm not going to make it up. I want you to see it in the text. So the first warning that I want you to see is simply this. If we seek the wrong treasure, we'll have a misplaced affection. We will have an affection that's loving the wrong thing in the wrong place. We will love the wrong priorities. Look with me again in your Bible at verse 19. Jesus says, do not. The phrase literally means in the Greek, stop it. Don't do this. Don't go this way. Don't walk this way. Don't behave this way. Stop it, is what the text would say. Lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So Jesus gives us this warning, but I want you to notice something here. We can first read this and say, well, he's about to give us a sermon about not collecting money. That's not really what Jesus is pushing in on. He's using it as an example, but I want you to see there in verse 19, you see the word yourself? You see that word in your text, do not lay up for yourself? The literally, the center of that is your heart. So Jesus is not necessarily warning us about our money and what we do with it. He's warning us about our heart and where we place it. He's warning us about what our affections will be, what we will love. And he says, if you spend your life loving the things of this world, you're going to be in trouble. If the priority of this world is I want to collect a big job, a big check, I want to have a great family, I want to marry a hunk, or a hottie, right? Is that cool to language? I don't know if that's cool or not. I'm so out of touch with college kids. Please forgive me, all right? Uh, but the idea is, is I want to have a great wife, a great husband. I want to have a lot of picket fence, three and a half kids. I don't even know how you get a half kid, but three and a half kids. You know, a dog that actually fetches when you throw the ball. Like, you're thinking about the things that you want in life. And those things are not bad. They're not evil. They're not wrong. But Jesus says, if yourself, if your heart, if the greed in your heart is focused primarily on giving attention to the things of this life. If all your decisions are around what is temporal, you're in trouble. And notice the example that he gives. Look, look there in verse 19. If you lay up treasure where moth, where moth eats uh, and rust destroys and thieves break in and steal. 
Now just think about for a second the analogy that he's using. You guys, you guys may not know this, but, but um, uh, when you have too many articles of clothing, any of you be accused of that? Too many articles of clothing? Thank you for raising your hand. God bless you. We'll have a prayer time after the service. Um, but you may have too many articles of clothing, right? If you have too many articles of clothing and they go in the back of the closet, in the day in which Jesus lived, the houses were not sealed. They didn't have raid bug spray. So bugs would be in the house. And one of the bugs that comes in the house that works on clothing are moths. Moths eat clothing. This is why at your great-grandma's house, it smells like mothballs, right? Because she knew to keep the moths out of her clothing, right? And so moths eat clothing. Now, moths won't eat the clothes you're wearing. It'll eat the clothes in the closet. So what Jesus is saying is, you got so many jackets, right? You got so many DKNY purses. Uh-oh, watch out now. You got so many of these things, right? That you're stockpiling and you're stockpiling and you're stockpiling. And you got so much of this stuff that all you're doing is feeding the moths because you can't even carry that much stuff in life, right? And then he says, look at the next one. He says, and where rust destroys, rust uh, attaches to metals. It eats metals. I have a doctorate degree. It's in preaching. It has nothing to do with science. I don't understand how rust works. I'm not about to explain it to you. Don't sit on the edge of your seat. <laughs> what I'm telling you is, is that rust begins to destroy. But you know what rust destroys? Rust destroys what's not used. Rust destroys the extra set of golf clubs in the corner. The third baseball bat that you don't need, right? Rust destroys the fourth car you own in the driveway, not the one you drive. So what he's getting at is, is when you collect these things in this world and you pile them up and you pile them up and you pile them up, really, what good are they if all they do is get eaten by moths and rust? And then the last one says where thieves break in. You know who thieves rob? Thieves rob people with stuff. Right? You don't rob nobody without stuff. You rob somebody with stuff. You try to come rob my house, you ain't getting nothing but a kid, and I'll give it to you. <laughs> I, got, I, I don't have a lot of stuff, right? But that's what thieves do, right? So just, just really, like, like just push in. I'm, I know I'm being funny, but just push in for a second. If you spend your life pursuing the things of this world, and you get, you get all the way to the end of your life, and you got all of these great goals you've reached, what good is it? Jesus said, what's it matter? One of the things that I do in my job is I am with people at the end of life. I, I preach lots of funerals. I'm around lots of people that lose loved ones, grieving people. And I have never once been around a funeral or a family where when someone is dying, they said, boy, I wish they had more stuff. Boy, I really wish they spent more time working harder outside instead of loving us. Or, boy, I, I really wish they did this or that. You see, he, here's the problem. Listen to me now. You can climb the ladder to success and get to the top. But if the ladder is leaning on the wrong house, it won't make any difference when you get to the top. It won't matter when you climb it. So Jesus says, be weary of loving the things that are temporal. C.S. Lewis would write it this way. He said, if your affection are for things that you can lose, that's bad. Now that's a paraphrase. But he literally says, if your heart is loving something you can lose, you're loving the wrong thing. Your affection is to the wrong thing. Your desires are to the wrong thing. You've got one life. You have one life. That's all you have in this world. And you will reach the end of your life unless the Lord returns or you will die. One out of one dies, it's 100%. You will die. See, I know statistics. 
The idea is that you'll reach the end of your life. And the question will be simply this. What did you love? Who did you love? Will you look back over your life and say, man, I gave all I had at every turn to love the Lord Jesus. To give my life to Him. To follow Him. To pursue Him. To go after the things that honored Him. Or, will you look back over your life and say, well, I conquered this career. I conquered this life gold. I conquered this. I had this awesome vacation. Look at my Instagram photos. I'm the coolest thing since sliced bread. Y'all say that? Okay, since the iPhone 1, right? Um, but what's the matter? Jesus said, what's the matter? Notice the alternative that he gives us. Look, look at verse 20. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither, raw, where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus says, where you want to lay your treasures in heaven. How in the world do you lay treasures in heaven? How do, you, how do you work in this life and have treasures in that life? Well, the answer is simply, uh, brothers and sisters, is simply this. I don't know what to call you guys. I preach to adults a lot, so I say brothers and sisters. I don't want to call you children because you're bigger than children. Some of you like you ate children. But, um, I mean, that's a big dude over there. He's big. What I would say to you is, brothers and sisters, is that good? Brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters. Okay. What, what I would say to you is, is, is notice what Jesus says. He says, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, which means have the affections of your heart in such a way that you are obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you are obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ in this life, you are banking treasures in the next life. How sad will it be to get to the end of your life and all of your treasures are left in this world? How sad will it be if all you accomplish in this life is pursuing the things of this world, and yet when you get to the next world, there is nothing to greet you there because this life was all you cared about. The self-centered greediness of yourself became the center of your world, and you didn't think about obeying Jesus in every part of your life, laying up treasures for the next. Listen, if you live your life thinking this is all there is, eternity is going to be very sad for you. But if you live your life thinking this is but a grain of sand, a puff of smoke, and eternity is forever with our Lord, and your focus is on the affection of what you can do for that life, then that's going to drastically change how you live even tomorrow. That's going to drastically change what's the priority of your life. How do you think about when it comes to dating and marriage and career and family and church and missions and money and calendar? You plan everything now thinking, Lord Jesus, how can I show you that you are the center of my life? You are who I love. I don't care about the things of this world. I want to pursue you. Jesus says do that and you'll have treasures in heaven. Look at the last part of that verse. <coughs> He says, Word 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. He gives us this uh, phrase. It is a phrase that helps us understand. This phrase would be called an aphorism. It's like the phrase, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You ever heard that phrase? If it ain't broke, that's an aphorism. It's a pithy statement that tells you the truth, right? Uh, and so Jesus is giving us one of those statements because he says, where your treasure is, there your heart is. He literally says, if I follow the breadcrumbs of your life, it will lead me to what you love. If I follow the breadcrumbs of what's the priority of your life, what you invest in, what you care about, how you obey, how you follow, how you love. If I followed you around, Jesus says, if I followed you around, I will see the breadcrumbs and it will lead me to what you love, which will be your treasure. 
And so the question is simply this, and I'm just posing it to you. Would the Lord Jesus follow the breadcrumbs of your life and see someone who loves him, who cares about him, his way, his walk, his desires? Or would it be one who's decided to do life how you want to do it, make decisions how you want to make it? One of those treasures will lead to heaven, and one of those treasures will lead to sadness because the temporal life will pass away. Think about, though, for a moment, if we do it the right way. Just think about the difference. Think about the treasure of working really hard to buy the new coolest, you know, Bugatti car, right? You guys know about Bugattis, right? Ferraris. Like, I'm a father. We're looking at a Honda van. You know what I'm saying? Um, but, But the coolest car, right? You pursue that with all you want. You you, man, I'm going to get that. I'm getting that beach house. I'm getting it. I'm going after it. That's the focus of my life. Or what if you woke up tomorrow and said, man, the focus of my life is I'm going to lead somebody to Jesus today. I'm going to tell somebody about the Lord this week. I'm going to tell somebody about, you know what, Lord, today I'm, I'm going to do whatever it takes to just love you with all my heart and love the people around. I'm going to love that difficult person that, that other people seem to struggle with. I'm going to go love them. You can see the difference in the treasure, right? You can see the difference in one. That doesn't mean that cars are bad or beach houses are bad. It doesn't mean that God doesn't bless us with stuff and we use it and we love it and we enjoy it. It just simply means what's the priority of your heart? What are you going after? What is the breadcrumb that leads to the treasure? Martin Luther would say it this way. Whatever your heart clings to and confides in, that's what really is your God. Whatever your heart clings to and whatever you confide in, that's your God. Whatever you cling to, that is your God. If money is your God, then you'll go after greed and you'll step over everybody in your way. If honor is your God, you want to be honored, you want to be proud, you want people to look up to you, then your ambition will crush people along the way. If pleasure is your God, then you'll chase every empty well the world has to offer trying to fulfill pleasure. And that'll be your God. But if the Lord Jesus is your God, then the treasures will be waiting for you in heaven. It's a whole different realm. Now he goes on to the second thing. That's only my first point. I got two more. Man, we're going to be here all night. God bless. All right. Let me show you this. Look at verse 22. Not only does he warn us about our affection, but he warns us about our attention. Look at verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be filled with darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? So he uses this analogy. And he says, you know how in a a house, the window is where the light comes in? And so it lights the house, it illuminates what's going on. Your eyes are the light of your body, your soul. And so what he's literally saying is, He's not talking about your eye, like your physical eye, like this thing. These beautiful, look at those blue eyes, man. So I'm talking about, right? How do you think I got my wife? Um, But the idea is is that he's not talking about the eye in that way. He's talking about what you're focused on. So he literally says what your eye is focused on will be what lights up your heart and your soul and your your, uh, direction. So look at it. He says, if the eye is the light of the body, if it lights the body, if it leads the way and it's healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your attention is focused on the right thing, then your whole body will be headed the wrong way, or the right way. You'll be going the right way if you focus on the right attention. Not only you got to have the right affection, you got to have the right attention. You got to be focused on it. You got to be diligent about it. You don't just wake up tomorrow and do all the right things. You got to focus on it. You got to do what's right. So he says, This is your eye. You have to focus on what's in front of you. So before I was a pastor, I worked at a camp. 
I was a recreation director at a camp for seven years. I would hire college kids to come and work at the camp. My undergrad degree is in outdoor recreation. Is that not a cool undergrad degree? You're talking about coasting through college, baby. I have an undergrad degree uh, in outdoor recreation. So I built ropes courses. Like I trained people in ropes courses. I did some around the world kind of thing. So it was really cool. I enjoyed it. I, I got paid to play. You're looking at a professional athlete. I got paid to play. Uh, and so... Uh, one of the things that would happen on a ropes course is, is that you would get people who would come out there, they put the harness on. So any of you guys ever been in a ropes course, zip line, highlight, right, right? All right, so they, they put the harness on, right? And so I'd be up and, you know, I'd be 40, 50 foot off the ground. I'm looking down. I was like, all right, come on up the ladder. You're good. Come on up. They'd get up the ladder and they'd get up there. And it, it was always the guys, by the way. The guys, we're the worst, man, because we're just, we're the worst. Um, and so the guys would get up there and be like, I'm not scared. No big deal. I got this, right? And then they would start like walking on the wire. Uh, uh, from tree to tree, uh, and then they would look down and realize gravity's trying to pull that big rear end back to the ground, right? And so they get scared, and they panic. And it, it, every time, every time, grown men, men, they would be out there just, <laughs> and they'd be looking down. And you know what you tell people? What do you say? Don't look down, which automatically means in your brain, hey, let's all look down, right? And so it's like when somebody yells four because they're telling you to watch out for something flying at your head, and you automatically do this, right? <laughs> So they automatically look down and they freeze and they just panic and they break down. And so then being loving and caring like I am, I would begin to talk to them in a caring manner. Like, hey, bro, you're holding us up. Hurry up. I'm just I would say things like, hey, look up, look up at me. You, you see, and we'd have somebody on the other end. I'd say, you, you, you see Tara over there? Just look at Tara. And, and Tara, my uh, coworker, would be on the other end, and, and Tara would look back at the person and say, hey, hey, what grade are you in? Well, what sports do you play? And, and before long, the person would look up and be answering questions with Tara, and they'd start walking. And it was like they were just strolling through the park. Like Mr. Rogers just hugged them right there on the spot. Right? <laughs> They're just strolling through the park. And the reason is, is because they changed where they were looking. They changed their focus. They changed their eyes. Didn't change gravity. Didn't change what was underneath them. Didn't change all of the reasons why they should be scared. But their focus changed. And that began to give them direction. Notice what Jesus says. He says, if your eye, if the eye, notice if I turn it this way, if the eye, if the eye is the lamp of the body, then you'll be full of light. But notice what he says. Verse 23, if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If you spend your life focusing on the things of this world, if you spend your life and all you ever focus on is your job, your career, the girl you're going to date, the guy you're going to marry, the ladder you're going to climb, the city you're going to live in, if all you ever think about is your priorities with your eyes, that's all you ever think about, and you stare at and you go after, and Jesus says you're going to fill your whole body with the wrong thing. You're going to fill your whole body with darkness. And notice what he says, because this sentence is kind of crazy. He says, if then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? If you convinced yourself you're doing the right thing, but you're not, man, you're really in trouble. You're, you're fooling yourself. So he says, we have to be afraid. Remember, he's warning us. Be careful not to spend your life with the affections for the things of this world. Be careful not to spend your life giving all your attention to the things of this world. And then look at the last one. Be careful not to give all of your um, uh, uh, allegiance to the things of this world. Notice verse 24. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. If you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they are the recordings of Jesus, Him being on earth, His, his words. If you read those, 
and you survey and you went through and highlighted, Jesus would actually say more about money than he would heaven or hell put together. Um, not because it's less or more important, but because he understood that in this life, the things of this world would be what draws us the most. It would be what we constantly fight with. We're constantly fighting over the things of this world. We're constantly thinking that all we have are the things of this world. And so Jesus would tell us in this passage, be careful. Because if you spend your whole life with the affection of the things of this world, the treasures of this world, if you spend your whole life with your attention on the things of this world, and then finally what will happen is your allegiance will be only to the gods of this world. And those gods are useless. Notice what he says in the text. He says, no one can serve two masters. You'll either hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So the question is simply this. Who is your God? What is your God? What does your friends, your family, your roommate, who do they think your God is? Is it all the stuff you talk about? All the temporal plans you make? All the priorities that you've written down that you want to pursue? Or do they look at you and go, man, that's a girl or that's a boy who is absolutely in love with Jesus. They love Jesus with all their heart. They love Jesus with their focus. They love Jesus because every time I turn around, they're thinking about, God, what do you want from me? How can I serve you more? Where would you have me go? Even if you call me to this career or this career or this career, those are just places for me to provide for my family. But I'm going there because you want me to be a missionary in that place. You want me to serve you. I'm on this team, Lord, because I love to play uh, lacrosse or soccer or basketball or baseball. I'm on the team because I love it, but you've really sit there because I love you, Jesus, and these folks on this team need to know that. Like, what's, the, what's the priority? What's your, who's your God? Who are you serving? Remember what Jesus said, where your heart is, your treasure will be. So the question is simply this. What do the breadcrumbs of your life prove? What do they show? Because I'm going to be honest with you. I told you I... I do a lot of funerals. I was listening to a funeral uh, one time and, and, and the, the guy was preaching and he was talking about the temporal of life. And you know what he said? He said, you think you're really important. He said, mess around and die and people will be picking through your stuff. Like you think you're important, but life moves on. People move on. And the stuff you collect, it goes away. So the question will be is, when I get to the day of my death, have I done something that matters for eternity? I laid up treasures in heaven. This is where I want to be. You can't serve two masters. So I would just encourage you tonight. Where is your affection? Where is your attention? Where is your allegiance? What are you focused on? What do your friends think? What do they see? What does your family say? What are the breadcrumbs of your life? What is the treasure of your heart. When you get to the end of your life, will you be able to say, Lord, I've served you faithfully. I'm ready to see you. I know there are treasures in heaven. Can I pray for you? Let me pray for you. Father, I love you, Lord. I thank you for your word. I think we can laugh together, but we can also just hear from your word. It's true. It's good. It's right. Lord, I pray right now for some of these in the room that, man, they're just straight up disobeying you. They're worried about themselves. They're worried about their own priorities, their own list. They've never stopped to actually pray and contemplate what you want them to do. They've never contemplated how you want them to behave or act or live. They're just going through the motions. Lord, I pray that you'd get a hold of their heart and they would understand that, that the things of this world are going to pass away. 
that all they do is cause anxiety and problems, that they're not good, it's not you. I pray for the one here that's wrestling because they know that you're calling them to something, but they're afraid, they're scared, they're, they're unsure. Maybe you're calling them to, to change their major, to change their calling. Maybe you're calling them to, to some sort of ministry or missions or, or work or to get outside of their comfort zone. Maybe you're calling them because they know they need to be sharing the gospel with their teammates and their friends and classmates, their family. Lord, help them to see that allegiance to you is, is far greater than any fear they could have. Father, there's some in here that, that know they need to do the right thing, and I just pray you'd remind them that, that delaying obedience is disobedience. That trying to find security in this world is foolish. Lord, help them to work to lay up treasures in heaven. And Lord, remind us that as we work for you, we don't work for you to, to somehow earn our salvation. We work for you because you saved us. Lord, yet while we were sinners, you died for us. You redeemed us. We didn't deserve it. We couldn't earn it. We do nothing for the grace that you have given us. But because you have saved us, we want to love you with all our heart. Because you've rescued us from death. Because you brought us into life. Lord, help us not to be poor, silly souls who think we can store our fortune in this world. In a place where we can't hold it. Help us to be people that store our, our stuff our treasures in the place where we will meet it again. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.